Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Nerd Talk, my guest is Tim Nanassi. Tim's a physiotherapist. He's a foot nerd. He's a good friend. And in this episode, we talk about the foot nerd program, the evolution of his treatment approach, lessons learned as a wrestler, and we finish by talking about habits. Really enjoyed the conversation with Tim, and I hope you find the content useful in your own life. This episode of the show is brought to you by Beam Tribe. What is Beam Tribe, you ask? It's our new community education platform launching on May 1st and will be the new home base for TFC's digital content. Our mission with Beam Tribe is to bridge experience and mindfulness by presenting five-minute videos broken down into theory and practice. Theory videos help improve awareness and provide some basic tools that you can get started with, and the practice section provides a progressive system of movements and tasks that you can work towards on your balance beam. For more info on that, check out beamtribe.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. If you're into coffee, this company offers a great subscription service to deliver you fresh beans to your door each month, along with the story behind the craft roasters that the beans come from. Check out the roasterspack.com. Use the code foot at checkout. You get seven bucks off your first month. Last but not least, this episode is sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear to and from events. Nanook makes super high quality professional grade hard cases that can keep your electronics safe while you travel. And you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. So let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. My guest today on this episode of Nerd Talk is Tim Nanasti, who's also known as Sport and Spine Physio on Instagram. Tim's a physio from Winnipeg. He's a member of the Foot Nerd Tribe. He's a therapist for Wrestling Canada, and he was kind enough to offer some of his time this morning to chat. So here we are. Tim, thanks for taking the time, and uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. My pleasure, man. My honor to be on here. I've been uh, with you guys for a while. I've probably heard... 50 of your podcasts and uh, it's, it's my morning drive, my uh, return to work, uh, home drive uh, podcast. And yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Powerful, man. Well, you're, you're an interesting guy. We've, you know, obviously we interact. <laughs> that could be uh, good or bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's good, man. It's all good. We interact intermittently and uh, we probably should interact more because I really love having conversations with you about, you know, the state of physio or just the state of the world, because I think you're a very down to earth dude. You're a practicing therapist and uh, you always have a lot of interesting stuff. So, so today, you know, before we get into some of the topics, let's start with, if no one's heard of Tim Nanassi, give us the Coles notes of, you know, who is Tim? What gets you out of bed in the morning and, and what's Tim all about? Oh, okay. Well, where do I start? Well, I'm i uh, <laughs> I'm a father of three kids. That's my first and foremost uh, job, uh, and I practice physiotherapy. So I love uh, that you I, mentioned that first, by the way, yeah, because yeah. I did a podcast with Mark Sharfinski, and I said, um, you know, what's Mark all about? And he's the same thing. He's like, you know what? I'll talk about what I do for work later, but I'm a father first, and that's my legacy. And I just, uh, I love, I love hearing people talk about that. And that's yeah, seems like that's what defines people. It does. I tend to if I'm in if I'm somewhere if I'm on vacation or I'm, I'm somewhere else and no one knows me and. Uh, I can be there with them for a week and they don't know I'm a physio. I don't, I kind of go there. That's not who I am. It's what I do. It's what I love right. doing. It's, it's what I'm passionate about. But I, I think my, of myself as a, I don't know, a human first, a dad first. So that's where I try to, I, I put my energy. But, uh, but with the profession, as you know, being one to it, it, it kind of overtakes a lot of your life. And, and I'm not complaining. I always say, uh, other than being a pro athlete, this would be the, this is the best job in the world. <laughs> right? Amazing. So, uh, yeah, I love it. So where I began, I, I'm born in Ontario. Uh, I, I moved to uh, to Winnipeg in 1998 for uh, to wrestle at U of M, and also for physiotherapy. So uh, I was. Uh, this has been 20, 22 years now. I've been here. Uh, family, nice. uh, businesses here. So I grew some pretty deep roots in Winnipeg, uh, and uh, I've been. I have um, two clinics here in Winnipeg: a sport and spine physiotherapy and Seven Oaks Physiotherapy with a my business partner Garrett Morrison, and uh, we uh, we developed a, a nice family of uh, of, um, of people uh, I worked with for the past the past twelve years. Uh, I I love my staff. I love my fellow human beings I work with, and it's uh, it's a pleasure to go there every day. Uh, I also do uh, consulting with uh, various companies for uh, return to work uh, management, uh, job demand analysis. And I do a bunch of seminars and workshops with those various corporations and, uh, on my own, 
uh, with my uh, one of my other partners, Justin Weber, with uh, the Human Blueprint, uh, just to educate uh, the corporations, the people, the public on keeping health very simple. Uh, whether I'm teaching ergonomics in a way that I, I wasn't taught. I, I, I mean, when I was back in school or back in my post-grad ergonomics training and they're telling us to you need to lift at 47.44 degrees <laughs> in order to maintain a stiff neutral back. And then your head is up 14.8348 degrees left. I, I was asleep after six minutes. And then, uh, so what I do is I try to put the human element into ergonomics. So I, of course, go over the ergonomic mainstays, but then I discuss proper human interaction. Uh, and that includes nutrition, hydration, sleep, exercise, gym time. Uh, and, and believe it or not, uh, I'll give you a quick story about that kind of a go down the rabbit hole here, but I was doing a seminar in Toronto at, uh, Jeldwin, uh, back last May, uh, about a five hour seminar on ergonomics. And we spent about an hour on the feet. <laughs> this is nice. A, yeah. And it just, I started talking about the feet and I got 50 questions. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was great. And people are, are more, um, are more interested in the feet than you would think they are. And so yeah, they're curious. Because we all got feet and it's like yeah. this blank spot in terms of people's awareness. So it's, it's very interesting to see how curious people are about a body part that you wouldn't think would take up much bandwidth in people's minds. But once you get going and once they sense your energy and your, your kind of knowledge when it comes to feet, people seem to just kind of riff off that and ask more and more questions because they're like, oh shit, this guy knows what's up when it comes to feet. I'm going to keep firing questions until, until I run out. So super that's, cool. that's really cool. I, I had 50 people that, that work in the factory all in bare feet in the room. It was great. It was so nice. much fun. So, and, and then, uh, so yeah. And then I'm uh, day by day. I'm at the clinic every morning at 6am. Uh, I have a really early morning clientele uh, and I, I, I love it. Like I, I, I really, uh, I'm changing my practice the way I treat people every day. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to improve every minute of every day. And my kind of go-to analogy is if I'm the same physio in June, then I'm a, I'm not a good physio. I want to keep changing every day, every week. I learn something from every patient. Uh, they teach me as I teach them. So, uh, nice. I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep that, that, that mindset, uh, in these times too. So, yeah, so that's a kind of a, of a Tim nutshell. So, cool. and then of I course love, I, 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 I love that mindset. The past by the 10 way. years I've been traveling with wrestling Canada. Yeah. Thanks man. And so another big part of it is wrestling. I, I, I'm very lucky an honor to be uh, one of the, the medical uh, therapists on Team Canada uh, Wrestling. I've been traveling with these guys for over 10 years. I've made hundreds of friends and, and lifelong friends. And uh, it's, it's uh, a big part of me and uh, one of my, my joys in life. And unfortunately, this year, we had a lot of cancellations of our trips and our tournaments. And I really feel for my athletes, they've been training hard all year, every day, every hour. So that was a bit of a sad point of this situation, but uh, yeah, that's a big part of me. And I'm, uh, it's made me into a different person, a different therapist. And I've, uh, I can't thank that, that uh, aspect of my life enough. It's really helped me along. Amazing. Yeah. I've done, I did some acute um, or some sports coverage when I was with the London Knights and uh, doing awesome. kind of a sport fellowship and it is a totally different animal and it's a perspective that I, I think would be really cool for a lot of more, a lot more therapists to be able to at least experience even for a short term, because it, it has such a deeper human element when you travel and develop deep relationships with um, people that you work with and that you're treating and you're on their team, you're in their corner and that there's a different dynamic there than someone coming in. Um, you know, you can develop a deep relationship with patients coming in on a weekly basis or, or intermittently. But when you're literally engaged, if you go on a trip with a team and you are with them every second of the day, every meal, most, uh, most of the time in a day, it's a different animal. And I think it's a really cool experience. So, um, awesome that you're able to do that. And that wrestling Canada has become such a big part of your life. Cause, and you know, we'll get into, um, we'll get into lessons that you've learned as a wrestler and you're dig a little bit deeper into your experience with wrestling Canada. But, um, let's start by just talking about, you know, the way that we came to meet, we met at a, uh, at a seminar, um, that yes. we had done in Winnipeg. And, um, now you're a member of the foot nerd tribe, the foot, you, you went through the foot nerd program and you know, I'm always curious to know, like, what attracted you to the program in the first place? And what value have you gotten from it as a, as a therapist? Because I think everyone that's part of that tribe will get, um, will get something different from it. 
whether it's the yeah. community side or the or just the network of of being able to communicate with other professionals. Um, you know, what attracted you to it, and and what value do you find you get from it? Well, not to toot your horn right now because I'm talking to you, but honestly, you're you're a big part of it. I, I see that the way you 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 talk, you you put out your content, uh, your passion, your your kind of down to earth, you know, common layman's terms. It's it's that's how I operate. That's how I talk, and I always like to keep my my physio simple. I'm a simple man <laughs> in many ways, nice. so I I don't like to use big words or give someone 15 exercises to do on a on a physio tool. Sh- tubing sheet. So I keep, I keep things very simple. Uh, I've always been the outside the box physio. I mean, for the past 10 years, I've promoted the whole no ice, no Advil thing when no one else did. And I was called every name in the book, uh, from, from everyone, but I kept at it. So I've been the outside the box guy. And, and when I was, and I was, I was late to the game in, in Instagram, uh, and, and in social media, like I didn't get on there until just before I met you really, uh, in, 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 uh, late, late 17, early 18. So pretty late to the game. So I didn't have a lot of knowledge on the foot collective on Instagram, but you know what, forget what I was doing online, but I, I went through the whole rabbit hole with my, with, with a, a knee. I was, I was looking at a knee, uh, and, uh, like information on a patient. And for somehow I, I came to you guys and then I went down the foot collective rabbit hole pretty quickly. <laughs> And one now. I, yeah. And I was like, wow, man, these guys kind of, these guys get it. This is pretty cool. And then Instagram and I started, you know, really reading your content and, and diving deep into the and beam work. And, and then I, I had my own epiphany with my, my feet a couple years previous to that. So I was doing a lot with the feet myself, but my knowledge base honestly wasn't that good because school, as you know, you know, you, you learn your feet in, in one class and then you learn orthotics in, in the next 20 classes. So that was my, that was my knowledge base. And so yeah. I wasn't confident with the feet. I wasn't confident in, in, in those measures. So you guys really got me in that, in that direction. And then when I saw you were coming to Winnipeg, I immediately signed up. And I think previous to that, I was, I was getting a lot of people onto your uh, toe spreaders, uh, tons of those before your seminar. And they were helping immensely. So I really wanted to dive deep into that knowledge base of what you guys offered. So when you came and I went to the lecture, uh, within 15 minutes of it, I'm like, I'm all in. This is what I want to do. This is so me. This is exciting. Uh, and I, uh, I was all in. And then we had talked at the end of the, of the seminar about the Footner program. And I remember telling you, the second this opens up, I'm going to give you your first email. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and since then I can tell you, Nick, it's changed my practice, my own health, my family's health, my athlete's health immensely. I mean, powerful. immensely to the point where it's, it's dramatic and it's powerful. So. Well, thanks for being part of it, man, because oh, it's pleasure. not, I mean, a community isn't a community if it's a community of one. And I think every single person that's part of this program brings something different, whether it's Pat Giesbrecht, who's like the handy, the unicycling handy. Unicycle. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or Mark Sherfinsky, who is a, you know, pediatric radiologist or Jeff Shub, who is a, has oh, an MD, but is more of a shaman than, than a medical <laughs> provider. You know, like isn't everyone, guy? everyone oh, just brings the secret sauce to create this amazing community of people who just want to learn, share. And I think what you said about, I want to be a different physio every month. I want to constantly evolve. I think that is one of these unifying values that it seems like everyone has that comes to this, whether it's like a person who just wants to learn about their own health, has no health professional background, just like, I want to be healthy. And so I want to tap into the leading edge of what this open-minded community is talking about and sharing with each other. Um, or if it's like a a high level health professional who is, who just wants to stay current and also connect with other like-minded people. And I'm like you, man, I was the weirdo. I was the person who asked questions who, who didn't (laughs) just like take in this information that we're being given that kind of went counter to what I was experiencing in my personal life. I'm like, I don't think we need all these supports under our feet. I don't think we need to treat shoulders by giving them these granny exercises where you're constantly repeating the same isolating motion. It's like, I think oh. there's more to this and it's not saying that the people who teach you this are bad. They're doing the best. No, they no, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also yeah. like, we should be allowed to ask questions. We should be allowed to say, uh, what about this? This doesn't make sense to me. Like it, it, let's have a discussion. And I think the, the Footner program as a forum for meaningful discussion where we can disagree with each other, even like fairly emotionally, but not 
take the perspective that we identify with our standpoint. It's just like, let's put this shit through the ringer and see what comes out on the other side so that we can find out the truth. And that's really oh, what it's about. A hundred percent. Could you imagine if everyone agreed on everything? It'd be boring. It, you, you, would learn <laughs> exactly. no, you, would, you would learn nothing. Well, I think we should all agree that we should all be Maple Leaf fans. But other than that, I think... <laughs> Uh, we should always disagree on something. <laughs> so hey, they're using beams. So I'm an indirect Leafs fan now. Oh, I love them. Did you were saying you you worked with Mitch Marner when you were at the Knights? You were yeah, with he him, was right? with. Uh, yeah, uh, he was. He was on the team when I was with their team, and I and now he's crushing it. So good uh, he's in, uh, watching him play is is so much fun. Oh my lord! Uh, no, and go to, to go back to when you were saying how you like to ask questions, and I think that's where the, the Footner program has really has really taught me to change the way I debate. Uh, I love debating because I love learning. Like I love debating and I'm a very respectful debater. I listen, I will take points in, but when I know I, I have a point and, and someone's not getting it, I get fired up. I'm like, how can you not see this? How can you not see two and two equals four? So I used to get really fired up and I used to think I used to be a bit more of a lecturer than a debater. And I, I didn't like myself that way. I thought I was too overbearing on people. I was too crowding people and and i wasn't being mindful of the situation i was being mindful of their of their points because when they hear things and they've learned i it's not my job to unlearn them it's my job to give them new information so they can take that in and, and make their own decisions right so what i've learned is now i ask them why like uh like for example this whole orthotic debate rather than give them a 15-minute lecture of why they don't need orthotics i ask them three simple questions now i just say listen if your practitioner, who I'm not saying is doing you a disservice by, by giving you orthotics, they think they're doing the right job, they think they're doing it for you. So I'm not saying they're a bad man or they're, they're ripping you off, but ask your practitioner three things. I go, you ask them, first of all, will that fix my underlying issue? If these come out of my shoe, am I fixed? Well, the answer will be no, obviously. And, and then you ask, I said to ask your practitioner, if these are so important to my health, my well-being, can I have these at cost? Right. Uh, and, right. and then, and then I always ask, I ask him to ask them, would these be the same benefit to me if I buy ones for 40 bucks at shoppers, then again, a custom made orthotic. And as we know, studies clearly show there's not much differences. So that's an example. Like if I can't answer those questions from a patient properly, why am I doing that, that service to them? So right. I kind of, whatever I, I, I'm teaching or educating people on, I have to make sure I can answer why I'm doing it. If I can't answer why, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't perform it. I won't teach it. I, I, won't, I won't show it. Uh, I, I have to know why I'm doing it. And so I think with debating, when people make a statement, so they go, oh, i got to ice my injury. And I go, why? Well, if they say to stop inflammation, I go, well, why? And they can't answer it. That's my own, my own, my own colleagues. Right. And then I, and then they say, well, to stop swelling. I go, well, how does it do it? And they can't answer it properly. I go, then why are you doing it? And then they think back, they go, well, Hmm, like I did, I did right. ice, ice, ice to, you know, prescribe orthotics when I first began my practice. And so I learned that to ask why myself and to ask my patients why, and that, that leads to more discussion that leads to more honest discussion and not me being so overbearing and me so lecturing. So I find that a lot more effective. And that's something you guys have taught me. And, and just to, to really be more, have a sense of community, have a sense of we're, we're talking together. I'm not talking at you. So I think right. it's made me a much better therapist and, uh, and uh, a human on that regard. So and, and it's a daily, like it, it evolves. It requires daily examination of how you're having conversations. Because I'm the same way. When I get fired up about something, I have a tendency to just be very blunt and yeah. <laughs> almost come off as a dick sometimes. And, it's, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but I just feel, sometimes you feel so strongly. You're like, someone is doing something to harm themselves and no one's told them that that's harming them. In fact, they're, they're, con they're continuing to allow them to do that, the people who should know about this stuff. So you, you're upset because you care. And, and, it, being upset, and that perfect. frustration materializes as sometimes being overbearing in the way you articulate these things. But you're right. I'm still working on it. You're still working on it. And if we're getting better at, at recognizing how we're having conversations and just being more empathic to seeing the other person's perspective where it's like, I used to be there. So I'm not going to be harsh with this person because I used to do that. And, 100%. Wanna, and, and like you said, I think you said it beautifully. Sometimes the best answer to a superficial question is asking a deeper question. Yeah. And letting people 
essentially go through their story in their brain and have to answer the why of why they have that story. Where did that story come from? Is that story actually true? Who told me that? And why did they tell me that? And so, yeah, man, that's super powerful. And like I said, I'm grateful that you're part of the Footner tribe. Everyone brings something special. And without everyone, it wouldn't be a thing. So um, that was said perfect, Nick. That was said great because what I was saying before, which you nailed it, was that I'm very, I care deeply on what I'm saying. So I want that person not to be in pain, not to exactly. die at 50, not to have a new hip at 60. Like I want them to know that it can be very simple. And I do come across as a dick sometimes. I don't mean to, but I really want them to know that I care. I want them to get, like my, my whole my whole method is to get them to listen, to listen. This will help you. Trust me, please take my advice. So I just had to come across it different now and I've learned that. And, but yeah, my passion takes over sometimes and, and I'm not making any apologies for that because I do care a lot, but I'm right. trying to, har to harness it in, in a different manner. So <laughs> like, there you go. Constant battle. So let's talk. So we're in a situation right now, which we talked before we even started recording. We agreed that we're not going to talk about COVID or our personal perspective, because it's, it's kind of a, a really strange space. But what I do want to talk about and what I've been seeing, you know, I'm seeing all you're, you're starting a podcast, which I listened to episode one and I cracked up like multiple times on my walk. It's just, <laughs> I love your, your, your little sneaky jokes, your calm, your just, your sense of humor is awesome. And I, I really Thanks, like man. it. Um, so you got the podcast and you're doing these Q and A's, you're engaging more on social media. And I really am loving the way that you're answering these questions and you're engaging more. So, you know, we've had to change or we live in a different world right now and you own multiple yeah. businesses, which in and of itself is a struggle on a daily basis. I, you know, it's, it's hard to run a business. It's very hard. Um, and let alone in the time like now where, you know, as an in-person physical interaction business, you have to morph, you have to change how you're doing things. So, you know, what are, how, how are you working to continually connect with people in this new world we live in? Um, you know, and how, how has that been going for you so far? That's a great question, Nick. So uh, in, my, in my opinion here, this is, this is a pretty strong opinion I have on this. But like right now, I'm going to the clinic by myself every day and spending about three or four hours. And I'm calling patients, texting them, emailing them, sending some quick videos to them just so they know I'm still there for them. Uh, I want them to know that because we're taking a two, three, four, five week layoff, I'm not going to disappear. Uh, they're in need. They're going through their own troubles physically, uh, emotionally, mentally. So I, I think as a physio, one of my, one of my, uh, you know, desires is to keep them involved, keep them knowing that I'm there for them. So I'm trying to do that more on social media, uh, and Instagram and doing these Q's and A's. I had a lot of questions given to me. So I'm trying to pick out ones that I know can, can, uh, say to the masses a little more, uh, mm -hmm. and try to keep it, try to keep it light because this is too serious right now in life. Uh, right. but don't get me wrong. I still think that I see a lot of practitioners are, 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 are talking about this. The new age of physio is only on video and we should do this more often. And it's all we should do. And that I disagree no. with. No, I, also I, disagree. I, I the, the, the power of, of being with someone, uh, physically, uh, that connection there that can never be duplicated. And that makes us human, that social connection. The fact that they know that I'm caring, I can look in their eyes, I can shake their hand and they know that I care about them. And that to me is, and as a physio, we know how important touch is to, to, to the assessment. It, I, 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 I can't stress enough how important that is. So uh, I think though, as an overall model for check-ins and checkups and progressions, this would be a great addition to our model. This yeah. video conferencing is a great addition to it, but not the only thing. I think that's very self-serving in my opinion. Uh, and I think that we should care about our patients' well-being. And my feedback from my patients is 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 95% they want to be in there physically with us. So right. in, in, in this time, since this is our only option, I think it's a great way to maintain contact with patients and to know genuinely we do care. Uh, and I think I hopefully in, in the next little while we can get back to, to some sort of normalcy in the clinics, because like I was telling you, uh, on my last day of working on the 31st in my clinic, I was seeing jail guards, pharmacists, nurses, policemen, firefighters. Like we were trying to keep these people at work, keeping them, you know, pain free with their injuries so they can work for us. So I think that's a big, strong part of, of our profession. We need to be on the front lines with them. And hopefully this, this, uh, will come back to normal normalcy soon. Uh, well, but I'm, you know, so 
Yeah, but, dude. Good, good for you for continuing to show up. And I, I just shows the kind of human you are that you, you are still making efforts to reach out and to show people that they're supported to continue guiding. Cause like your injuries can't take a holiday, right? Just cause can't. you're not allowed to go out there. It doesn't mean your injuries are, are, you know, sitting, sitting, doing nothing. It's still there and people still need help. And I think, you know, I'm very optimistic, probably, you know, whether that's, uh, I think it's based in realism, but I'm optimistic that we're going to kind of figure out a way to continue to mitigate harm, but also do it in a way that doesn't harm a huge amount of people for the sake of saving uh, a smaller number of people. Because I really think all these policies are well-intentioned, but we're an unprecedented time where there is no data to look back on and say, hey, we dealt we dealt with this like this before. So let's do that. There's no precedent. So we're kind of figuring things out as we go. And I think now we're realizing like, Oh shit, we just shut down an entire country for the sake of protecting a few people who are vulnerable. Maybe there's a way to split the difference and, and, and mitigate harm way more than what we're doing right now. So I'm optimistic. And And there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with saying that either. And people try to get upset. If I say, listen, like I want to make sure the other 99% of people are taken care of too. I right. can't forget them. I can't forget the nurses who have back pain, who need help, who stay working. I can't forget the pharmacist who's on their feet for 15 hours a day and who's in pain who needs my help. I can't forget the jail guard who's in a lot of pain who needs my help. I, right. I'm, that's my job, and that's what I want to do. And I think you're right. We have to, we have to balance out how we're going to keep helping the vast majority of people who need help that aren't a COVID problem. So, and at the same time, having some compassion and having a way to deal with people that do need that help. So it's a tough, I'm not a smart guy that way. So that's why I'm not in charge of the country, but I think (laughs) that there, there should, well, (laughs) that's another topic, but, uh, (laughs) but uh, we, we have to, uh, we have to find that, that, that fine line because I think we have a a very important role to play and all the foot nerds have an important role to play in this situation. So hoping we can find that balance and, and that will be the key, I think, going forward. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really, it kind of warms my heart to see all the, the amazing things. Like the people I follow on social media are pretty much only foot nerds and a couple of the people who I think are putting out great content and seeing all the different ways that all these foot nerds around the world and different health professions in different countries are doing what they can to contribute to optimism and positivity and essentially just figuring out a way to contribute to the world in a way that is good uh, is really, really cool. And you see some amazing creativity um, and you see just, you see people's true colors when shit gets really, really gnarly um, and people still have the wherewithal to think, how can I contribute positively? Like, you know, you're around the right people when you're seeing that kind of stuff and you're in that category. And I just think um, you're right. We need to contribute as health professionals that might not be in our usual capacity, but we can do something in some way, even if it just means inspiring people to, to be healthy because by like being healthy and, and focusing on your own health is the way that every single person can take an activist role in this situation because if you're a bit healthier, you can reduce the burden of the medical system. You can make yourself into someone that is inspiring others to be healthy instead of someone who's creating, who's adding to the burden. So yeah, 100%, 100%. I find that too with all the foot nerds and all their Instagram accounts and from, uh, you know, uh, Clayton and to, and to TFC Germany and to Jeff and to, and to Chris in, in, in Orlando, like her cooking and all, you're seeing all these different foot nerds give different views and aspects on how you can stay healthy. And so if God forbid you do get the virus, you can, you can, you can keep, uh, you know, your health will be your first barrier against being sick. So right. it's, it's, it's so easy. I told my patients since this is since February, when we started hearing about all this, like, listen, like just assume I'm not being a pessimist, but assume you're going to get this cold, this flu, this COVID, you're going to get the COVID-19. Let's say you're going to get this. Well, you make sure you can control what you can control. So yeah. get sleep, drink your water, eat your nutrient dense foods, um, wash the maple leaves, um, you know, uh, don't stress, uh, and, and this will create, you know, a very good environment for your body to deal with anything you need to deal with. So, and that goes for any aspect, for any injury. Like if you fall off a, off a balcony, <laughs> if you're in good shape to, be, to begin with, your rehab will be easier. That's same with anything. So you can control, you can control, and then your body takes over. And so I'm hoping we get that out more often than this negativity out there. I'm trying to maintain a very positive attitude with people 
with my friends, family, patients, and just say, listen, like, I know it's stressed out. I'm stressed out, but that's not going to help anybody. So let's do what we can do to control our own health, our own mindset. And uh, I'm, I, I'm loving what the foot nerds are doing out there as well, like you, you, you touched on. They're doing everything within their scope to really add to the whole cogs in a wheel. And it's great. So I love yep. it. I agree. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about physio. So you're a physio, I'm a physio. We both went through the Canadian education system. Uh, We've had a a numerous number of rants where we just go off and talk about all the crazy stuff that we're being taught and still being taught. Um, But, you know, in in a more lighthearted way, let's talk about, you know, how has your practice changed um, since you first went into practice in terms of the way that you treat and the focuses that you take? And also, what do you think, you know, someone, the physio king of Canada comes up to you and says, listen, Tim, I know we're not teaching the right stuff and we trust you that you know a better way. What can we do at a really macro level to improve the way that we deliver education to the next generation of physiotherapists going out there and helping people? And, you know, so how has your approach changed over time in a, at a broad view? And then what would you tell the physio king um, in terms of what we can do better? Because there's so many, you know, the biggest problems are the biggest opportunities that means physio school and the way we train health professionals in general is a ginormous opportunity. So, um, yeah, what would you, what, what's your take on that? Wow. Great question, Nick. Whew, okay. So I, I would say, okay. And I actually have the privilege of being one of the examiners on a national exam uh, every year. So I see the, the, the kids coming out of school and, and what they're given for, for their knowledge base and their, and their, and their examinations. And what I would say is, is, one thing I think we're still doing wrong is we're medicalizing everything. It's like, yeah. we're okay. So I have a, a bad knee. Oh, you have a meniscal tear. This is the rehab for a meniscal tear. This is what we're going to do. Okay. You need a scope. Then you need ice and then you need rehab for three weeks and that's it. And then orthotics, blah, blah, blah. So we're, <laughs> and we're that's still being taught. That blows my is, mind. If that's still oh, oh, okay. I'm going to go on a quick rant here if you don't mind. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I've been getting referrals, uh, over the years, but, and still to this very day, uh, for uh, you know, for example, twelve-year-old boy with knee pain and foot pain, and the doctor were right underneath. Please teach foot strengthening homework. I'm like, oh, great! And the very next line, orthotics. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to teach this kid to have a stronger, you know, tip post, stronger intrinsics, stronger hips. Uh, stronger toes, uh, more of a, of a mo- you know, mobile ankle. And then here's a cast to put on after we're done their homework. <laughs> so I don't see anyone giving me a referral for a, a rotator cuff tear and saying, hey, please give exercises for rotator cuff and then please fit for a sling. Right? <laughs> I, I don't right. get that. So that baffles me. We, we tend to medicalize everything coming in. And I would teach, and I, I would really put the standpoint of, of treating a person as a whole. I, I would dive a lot more into nutrition in school. I think we had it for one day when I was back in school. I think we should dive into a lot more holistic approach, nutrition, sleep, water intake, uh, uh, mental health uh, components. I, I think all those, you can't rehab a knee without rehabbing the body. Okay, so right. I think we're too narrow scoped in what we want to learn and, and practice. Uh, and I, I find that disconnect in the community uh, with doctors, physios, chiros, uh, massage, uh, whatever it may be. I, I, I tend to think that we have to treat people as a whole. And it may sound too simplistic, but it's really not. If someone comes in with hip pain, why are we not looking at their feet or their thoracic spine or, or the way they sleep or what they eat? Uh, and why can't we approach things like weight? Why can we approach things like lifestyle? Is why is that taboo? Why can't I tell a patient when I know absolutely scientifically 100% that you're if you're 80 pounds overweight, that's directly influencing your knees, your hips, your feet, your low back, your overall health. If I can approach that subject, what am I doing? I'm not giving the patient what I know to help them. Right. So I think in school we have to be a little less politically correct. We, we, we have to have, if you don't have empathy, you're not in that school anyway. So that is not even a question, but yeah. be at, be empathetic, but still we're there for the greater good. We're there to get you. We know how to fix you or to help you fix yourself. Give us that power to do that. So I think we, we need a lot more broad based knowledge about nutrition, hydration, sleep, um, stress reduction, 
community. Uh, and, and when it comes to the physical part, yeah, we learn the anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, great. We have to really approach that in a very, you know, foot to, to neck basis, not just you have a shin problem, you have a shin problem. No, you have a foot problem, you have a knee problem, you have a hip problem, you have a core problem. So we, you know, we have to look upstream, downstream more. And I think I don't want my, my students or people come out of school need to go to postgrad courses to learn this. Right. Learning- that's, what, that's what you're paying for, right? Like what you're paying for. And I always give the analogy of like, you know how microscopes, you can look at a microscope and you got that little rotating thing of lenses where you can zoom in and zoom out. It's almost like we're at the highest magnification in physio school where we look at the body part. We look at the one body part and what the pathology is there. We're really good at identifying and diagnosing and treating the body part. But it's almost like we've got to turn that little dial and zoom out like 100x and be like, okay, we cannot treat someone's knee effectively without treating the environment that that knee exists within, which is what the person does during the day with their body, what they do for their activity, like what kind of clothing they wear on their feet, what kind of footwear they wear. To try and treat a knee joint independent of the entire environment that that knee joint exists within it's impo- is it's so... Impossible. It's so ridiculous. How do it's, smart people it's not absurd. It? It's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. So I like I had a patient come in about a month ago with, with a, a referral for a, 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 a knee a meniscal tear. So I, I said, take off your sock. Why? Well, I want to see if why it's, that's my feet. I'm up, Tim. Tim, my knee sore. I uh, didn't read my script. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I said, then then I go show me a squat. Oh no no no. The doc said I can't squat. I go, well, how did you get here today? Did you, did you fly? Did you sit in a car? And then, and then I said, oh, so did you go to the washroom uh, today? He goes, yeah. I go, how did you just go in your pants? Like, how did you get into the toilet? So you can squat. So yeah. I, I'm baffled. And, and then one more little pet peeve I can, I can really say about, about this is when you go to any practitioner and, they, and they're for a hip injury, let's say, for example, and then they go, oh, and doc, too, my knee is sore. No, one problem, one appointment. Yeah. I'm like, well, no, like the hip isn't the problem. Like, the, like it's, you can't, you can't, like you said, you can't microscope one injury and say, okay, let's look at your hip. And that's the only thing I'm going to look at today. That then you're not discovering anything. So if anything, like I, I know Perry Nicholson always has the term stop chasing pain. And that's a great, great term. And I think yeah. we're taught to chase pain and that's a big mistake. And like, hey, I had a lot of great profs in school. I, I, I love them. They were great. They were great people, great physios. But I think the curriculum itself is a little, still a little narrow-minded. Uh, like this, this past year, one of the questions involved ice. Like I, I didn't, on the national exam, I didn't, I didn't get that. <laughs> but anyways, so I'm just, I'm baffled by the fact that we're not doing a more holistic approach when the world's kind of gearing towards that. And I think- Yeah, and I got- I got like a crash course with the whole exam thing because I did my sport fellowship for a year with the Knights and Doug Stacy was the physio there and he's just a, an amazing physiotherapist that is super effective and very, just a really smart guy. So I learned from him. I absorbed all real life knowledge of how to help people get better. And then I did the national exam after my fellowship and I was doing stuff that worked, not stuff that books told me and I failed. And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess crazy. this is just a game where I just got to study from a book, all the outdated shit and say the script that they want me to say so I can get the letters, so I can get the certification and then I can start to do real work. And it was just such a, an eye opener for me yeah, being it, like, it is. it's crazy that we're literally making physios regurgitate old information in order for them to get the, get the sign off that they're, you know, $50,000 degree didn't get them somehow in the first place. And it's like, I really wish that we just rethought, you know, there's a reason that there's physical practical projects in the Footner program. Cause the whole thing is you got to live it and breathe it and do it. And like, why isn't there like, I think it would be great for an OSCE station to be like, show me your squat. Oh, you can't oh your physio and you can't squat. Okay. Or why? you can do a squat. Oh, Perfect. God, Don't get me started. No, like, so yeah, no, we, we, Hey, I'd say, Hey, Mr. Physio King, you will not allow one student to graduate until they can show me how to squat, how to yeah. hip hinge, how to lift over your head properly, how to sit in a squat, how to walk on a beam, how to assess why you have uh, flat feet, why you have no arches, why your core is, is, is weak. Like, 
you can't leave school until you can show me basic fundamental human movements. Yeah. Like, why can't we have that? And, and that is what we do. Like we're an exercise, um, like we're supposed to be the exercise professionals. So why are we learning how to, to attach a tubing onto a pole and doing rotation exercises? <laughs> why are we learning yeah. how to lift a rock and carry it around a building? That's how we should be learning how to do things. Yeah. So um, Kelly Starrett actually said this one time on, I think it was Joe Rogan podcast. I loved it. Uh, and I have a 15 year old daughter who, who now has a, <clears throat> a boyfriend. I'm sorry, I'm choking here. Um, anyways, so I should, what Kelly was saying, he won't let his daughter date a boy until he can lift a rock from the front lawn, carry it on the house two times, and then back to the front. And then maybe you can date my daughter. So that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's great. It's screen. So, but we, we need to know how to screen a patient. Like I can find out pretty quickly with a patient, whether they have foot, ankle, hip, knee problems, but have them sit into a, a barefoot squat. Right. Sit there for 30 seconds. Let, me know, let me know screen. what hurts. Yeah. So I don't want to learn, get on a goniometer and, and me- measure your knee at 84 degrees. Oh, we have a problem here. Well, no. Like why is your knee bending only at 84? Is it because of your foot, your hip? Why? So when things are in isolation, that's a big mistake. And so I think in school, we need to be more, more health generalized. Don't chase the pain. Don't medicalize our issues and treat the person as a whole. Like treat their person as a whole from sleeping to water, to food, to lifestyle, to stress, to how they're moving, what they're wearing. Look at my shoes. So it's, that's where I would start. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, and there was like two big red flags for me in physio school. Number one was ultrasound. I really got annoyed with with ultrasound. That's a great coat hanger. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're literally being forced to memorize all these weird parameters, which number one, you have a supercomputer in your pocket. You don't have to memorize dumb parameters. Nope. You can just look them up. Number two, I kept asking questions like, what is this actually doing? What is this doing? And is our job to help people be independent? Because no one has a $10,000 ultra, ultrasound machine at home. Why are we doing this as a staple of treatment? That was number one. Number two, why am I assessing range of motion in the position people sleep in? They're not walking around in that position. Like, how is this, how do I even take these you know, quote unquote results from their goniometrically measured range of motion and applying any thought as to how that applies in real life because they're not even standing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so strange. Anyway, I think, I think it is changing, you know, and if something like the footner program can be used as something to show these physio schools, like, you know, have a look at this. What do you think about incorporating features like this into the curriculum? Because it's really helpful. If you're going to call yourself a health professional, number one, you should know, have a broad sense about health. You should know a little bit, like you don't need a scope of practice to tell someone that meditation is good for them because it allows you to actually take time to think through your life. You don't need to be a psychologist or have a mental health degree to tell someone that meditation is good for you. You don't need a nutrition degree or be (laughs) a nutritionist to tell someone maybe you should put real nutritious food in your mouth instead of this bullshit that's being sold as food, but it's really just a product. You don't need (sighs) degrees to do that. And I think that's part of the problem. You need, we need to be need trained to, as health generalists yeah, and have our own specialty. But All you need is a PhD in common sense. That's yeah. a, pretty, a pretty cheap degree. And uh, it's pretty uncommon, unfortunately. Uh, and that's what, you know what, side note. So that's what I'm doing now in my podcast. So uh, me and uh, Dilpreet uh, Patal, we've been doing uh, uh, one called For Health Sakes. And what we're trying to get at here is what we're doing here. We're keeping health simple, whether it be nutrition. She's a, a fitness coach and she's, and her scope is training and nutrition. So we really step on that. And I like to talk about keeping health and rehab very, very simple. Uh, and it's, it's, it's what I decided to do and you know, throw a few dad jokes in there, which is all, always good, but it's, <laughs> you know, uh, Oh, by the way, uh, I was at the doctor's uh, yesterday and uh, he had, I said, doc, you know, Lately, or for a long time, I've always thought I'm a goat. It's like, what? How long have you been thinking this for? I go, well, since I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Some people won't get that. (laughs) Okay. So I know. I love it. Okay. So then in in these podcasts, I want to maintain some sort of simplicity. So I want to break down, you know, know, just health can be very simple. And I'm not a... I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a nutritionist, but I know that if my food has 27 ingredients and is okay for four years on the shelf, it's not food. Right. Um, 
I told a quick story on one of my podcasts. I was traveling to Spain for my wrestling trip and we're, we're coming home and it was midway through the flight and they gave out some snacks and it was a burrito. And on the burrito, this is back in 2015. And I, I never forget it. On the burrito, it said expires 2021. And I'm That's like, crazy. what the flick is in this burrito? It, it lasts six years. Is it going to glow? Am I going to eat it and then become some, some Thor or become Captain America? Like, what is in this thing? Is it gamma rays? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so I was just, what? And that's not food. So Not I even like, bacteria wants to eat that. Why no, am I? No, I, hey, that might be our COVID hell, uh, cure. <laughs> is that burrito? <laughs> Who knows? Airplane burritos. Some magic stuff. <laughs> So I'm, I, I try to, you know, touch on those subjects because it is common sense, like, you know, and, and just same as, 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 as the foot, as, as the feet, like, is it common sense to wear Nike airs in the house, in the shower, because your feet are sore? Like, if I, if I came out of my mom's womb with Nike airs on, yeah, for sure. I get it. I got to wear shoes. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure when I was born on June 6th, uh, my feet were, were pretty bare. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That would hurt my mom a lot. Wow, can you imagine cleats coming out of my mom? Ouch. Yeah, but that would hurt. That, that would hurt. So I'm, uh, I'm baffled by, by how people make health complicated. And I never want to sound like I'm smart. And if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Right. So uh, I, I, I love to keep things simple. And, and, and it is simple. Because uh, simple know. is what enables action. And I think it does. there's so many people out there making things seem more complex than they need to be to, in order to puff themselves up as someone that you need to ask questions because it's too complex and you can't know about it. But it's health so really true. is fundamentally a simple thing to do the right. And you don't have to be perfect. That's the other thing. It's like being healthy means doing the right stuff most of the time of which the right stuff is super simple. And then you're fine. You can do the wrong stuff some of the time. That's of all good. In can. fact, I think that's part of health is not it's just doing what makes you happy in moderation, whatever that might be, and just understanding the base principles, the heuristics, these general principles that you can apply specifically in your life in whatever way works for you. And if you do that, a lot of good things happen. And there's just, it really does, it's frustrating, 100%. but it's also just like we have such a big opportunity to just bring awareness to the masses so that they can take better care of themselves. And that's, I, I really think that, you know, part of this fundamental problem in physio school is that you're essentially bred to think that you're the person who has to take care of people. Yeah, when no. in reality, you're there to guide people to take care of themselves. And that subtle 100%. shift is such, is such, a, is such a, a frame shift in, because all these health professionals that I speak to, they're all stressed out. They're all, because they care and they're not able to do what they know they should be doing. And so they literally internalize that stress. Like I'm trying to help all these people. Everyone's breaking down. Everyone's miserable. I don't know what to do. I'm doing my best. And it's like, we need to review the whole fundamental archetype, the whole architecture of this whole system. Cause it's just, it's a big problem, but the solution is actually incredibly simple. And I think it's so well um, said. Yeah, that's exactly it. We, we, we want to, and what I like saying too, is I want to take this plethora of information from Instagram, Facebook, Google school. Uh, well, well, what your neighbors, vets, dogs, owners, uncles told you take all of this information, put it into one big funnel, put it into a, a simple, simple, like, like funnel and whatever you're left with, that's the answer. It's a very, take all this information and, and, and get rid of the bad, bring in the good and kind of make it simple. And that's what our goal is, is to, to get the patient to, to not to enable them, but to give them the power to control their own, you know, health and their own, uh, their own destiny and their own journey. So, and I like to be yeah. along the way with them, but it's up to them to, 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 you know, write that journey, you know, how they want to write it. So, that's the, the right. kind of my mindset as well. And it's like teaching a baby to walk. Like you don't teach a baby to walk, no, but you create no. the right environment so that that baby can learn how to walk themselves. And that's kind of what, like, we're just there to provide the nutrients, which sometimes is information and sometimes is support. There's no, there's, 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 there's no toddler uh, school of squatting. They're no. not they, they don't learn how to squat at, at toddler school. They squat <laughs> because that's a human movement, right? right. So, uh, it's, uh, you're right. So keeping things simple from a very complex world is, is my definite goal in, in my profession right now. Cool. Let's talk about wrestling because you are a, uh, wrestler and I want to talk about two things. Number one, 
I want to talk about the lessons you learned from wrestling and how that's trickled into your life. Because everyone that I've spoken to that has done wrestling as part of their life has these very powerful values and whether that's work ethic or determination or whatever it is. So number one, I want to talk about what you've, what lessons you've learned that have applied to your life. And number two, even just talking a little bit about your role with Wrestling Canada, because I think it's a pretty unique position. There are not a lot of people that work with national teams as therapists, it's a very small pool of people. And so, um, you know, hearing your perspective on that, I think would be kind of cool. Okay. Well, what I learned as a wrestler is, well, I guess the number one thing would be yeah, work ethic. It's, it's anyone who has ever been involved in combat sports, whether it be wrestling, judo, jiu-jitsu, boxing, um, street fighting, they know that it's, it's very, very demanding. It, and you don't know until you try it. It takes every ounce of toe strength to brain strength and blood, sweat, tears, years of training and, and off, you know, off mat, on mat training. Uh, it's really taught me to look at things as um, you have no other choice. Like you have to do this. If you're going to choose to be a wrestler, you choose to work hard. And when you're on the mat, uh, nothing else matters. Like you don't think about your bills or your girlfriend or your wife or your, or I'm not the same time, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't right. think about, and <laughs> you think about the person in front of you. You think about you not get hurt and you and you to beat that person. So it's a very, it's a very uh, disciplined, uh, conscientiously focusing uh, on the task at hand. And that can relate to other things in life, to school, to work, it teaches you to focus, to really focus at, at, at your task. And, and it teaches you that uh, it's, you know, you work so hard at something. And no matter what, if you win, you lose. If you know that you gave your, your every last drop of sweat, that, you know, you're very, you're very happy. You're proud of yourself. You feel accomplished. And the world is yours to beat. So I think it instilled in me a sense of, of uh, discipline, of work ethic, of focus, uh, and never give up. Uh, and there's been many occasions where I, I lost a lot of matches where I just, my mind wasn't in it or I was thinking other things, but when I focused, you know, I was a better person for it, a better athlete for it. And it really taught me sense of community. And, and like, I, I can really deduce a lot of my friendships, my, my moving to Winnipeg, my marriage, my, my business, all to wrestling and my current model of, of existence as due to the sport. Um, my best friend got me into it in grade 10 and I was a very small, skinny little, you know, four foot 11, 95 pounds. So my idea of, you know, I was a grade eight track star, uh, grade nine, I walk into the track, the track and field team and there was guys a foot and a half taller than me. So I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I can't run hundred meters against, <laughs> against Donovan Bailey. So, uh, I'm like, what can I play? What can I play? Can I play football? I can't see over the running back or the, the, the line, uh, can I play basketball? I can't jump higher than, than the post. Uh, like, what can I do? And so, uh, wrestling really spoke to me and, you know, your own weight class. And I was very poor growing up. It doesn't require any equipment. <laughs> it was, it's basically use your body. So right. it's a very inclusive sport, whether you're 90 pounds or you're 290, whether you're six, seven or four ten, whether you're black, white, green, purple, whether you're poor or rich, whether you're from uh, India, whether you're from uh, Canada, whether you're from Iran, whether you're from Turkey, USA, whether you're from Venezuela, you can wrestle. It's, it's an amazing inclusive sport. And I find that it's taught me that everyone can do something they put their mind to. And, it, and physically, it's, it's kept me you know, in really good shape, I, I hope, and uh, physically and mentally. And it's given me a sense of, um, of balance, essentially. And uh, it's, I'm biased, but it's the best sport on earth. Uh, and, uh, it's, um, it's everything. So, and as far as wrestling Canada is concerned, like I said, I'm very humble to have that job. Uh, I, tr- and you really hit it well when you were saying when you eat, sleep and travel with a team, you become close. And I, I can say a lot of the members or a lot of the, the teammates I travel with have become like a, a daughter to me or a son to me, uh, you know, friends, uh, uh, colleagues, uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, people I travel with when they're 15 years old and now they're 25, we still talk a lot about, Amazing. about, you know, about their, their struggles and, and, and physically and in school 
and now they're getting married and it's, it's really kind of cool watching these, these kids grow up from, from, you know, U 17 athletes to Olympic athletes and, and see them grow as people and follow in their life. And whenever I travel for work, whether it be to BC or to Toronto or to wherever it may be, I catch up with these athletes and these coaches and we go out and have dinners and we rehash our stories and, uh, it's pretty amazing. And we go to some pretty cool places in the world. We don't go to places where you would think you want to travel to for vacation. Like we're going to like, we go to pretty dingy places in South America and, and we've been to a lot of places in Europe, but, but not the Paris, France's that we're talking like the Georgia's and the, you know, <laughs> the small town Slovakia. And, you know, uh, it's really, really amazing people you meet around the world and, and they made me better therapist. There's no question. They challenged me every day. Like I'm not going to go travel with an Olympic team or a Canadian national team and not be, you know, not be in shape or not know my stuff, not know right. my current, my current uh, medical evidence and not, not know how to practice what I preach. So uh, these guys are, spe- these guys and girls are specimens. I mean, their, their physical shape is incredible. They're, they're mentally sharp. They're, they're academics. Are, are up there. They're, they're great human beings. And so, and we all have a share, a common goal when you're there. So I try to give them my 24 seven best when I'm there and when I'm not there with them too. So just cause I'm not, just cause we're home from our, our trip, it doesn't mean I'm not their therapist anymore. So we've continued that, those uh, strong community relationships over the years. And that is what I'm absolutely most thankful for. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's such honestly, a- it's so unique. And it, it really is. I love what you said too, because you, you feel the need to reciprocate. You see all these athletes putting in amazing amounts, monumental oh, wow. amounts of effort and time and energy and passion. And you're like, shit, I better be on my shit too, because I got to reciprocate and, and be a leader and show the example, right? I don't just want to be sitting around and not knowing what the hell I'm doing if these people are really putting in all of their energy and intensity. So I noticed that too, when I was at the Knights, like I wanted to learn better ways to help these athletes reach the goals that they had. And it made me such a better human and a better therapist because I, like it drove me to perform better seeing these people perform at peak level. So it is, you know, there's so many things under the hood with working with a sports team on a really close basis. Um, that I think is hard to articulate sometimes to people who haven't done it, but it, it is, it is very it really rewarding. Is. I become their biggest fan. Like we're, I'm, when I'm in their corner for the matches, whether it be the Pan Am championships or the world championships and they win, I feel like my daughter just won or my son just won. I feel right. like, I feel euphoric. And it's, and when they lose, I feel like I want to cry for them. And it's, it's, it sounds cheesy, but I get so involved in their own match that I'm, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm, I'm their, their biggest fan and they know this and I want to make sure what my scope of practice, what, what I can do to get them to the best of their abilities so they can, you know, perform at their highest level. And if I feel I don't do my part, I feel I failed them. So uh, right. I love those trips. I think it's my highlight of my year uh, in my professional year. And uh, I, I couldn't ask for a, a better job with, with that team. So uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great, Nick. It's, it's I'm very lucky to have that job for sure. Cool. So I won't take up too much more of your time, but one thing I've really started to like to finish with on podcasts and, and, you know, it took me a while to get onto zoom cause I really like doing podcasts in person, but it also limits sure. hugely the scope of people that you're able to interact with. You know, we've been talking about doing a podcast for like a year. Oh, and- yeah, exactly. One year from today, we met in Ottawa. <laughs> we had a good talk. Wow. And amazing. We, yeah, yeah. We're like, Great. this is a podcast by, by June. <laughs> one yeah, year later. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Better late than never. Um, 100%. One thing I'd like to finish with is talking about um, habits. So keystone habits are, it's a term that I heard, I think it was in a 5am club book. Um, but basically, these are habits that have a multiplier effect on all your other habits and on your life. These really, you know, we have all these habits, but some, some of these what I call keystone habits are just so impactful and help and trickle into everything else. So do you have any keystone habits? And what are they? And then the second part is, what's a habit you're trying to install right now? And what's a habit you're trying to uninstall if, if there's anything that um, comes through your head? You know, I can, I'm trying to uninstall what I have uninstalled this whole importance of trends <clears throat> and fat, sorry, <clears throat> and fashion, a blind fashion. Uh, like, like my shoe wear, I wear, I like my five finger Vibrams, my, my water shoes, my, uh, my uh, Primus lights. And you know, some people will think they're ugly. 
And it's funny because I, I, I wear a lot of the clinic, my five finger fibrams, and I get a lot of comments on those. Oh, they're ugly. Like they're like gloves. And, and then it's funny how I, I try to promote those and people are very resistant to it. Then uh, I think a year ago, Floyd Mayweather posted on one of his Instagram pictures of him wearing those. All of a sudden I get 15 messages. Oh, Tim, do you know where I get those from? Like they're pretty cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Classic. Because I have no idea what I'm talking about, but Floyd does because he's wearing them. (laughs) And then I say, you know what? Like, I love The Rock. He's one of my my guys I follow. I think he's great. But could you imagine if The Rock wore those this morning? Then tomorrow morning, they'd be sold out worldwide. So it's not about, you know, fit or fashion. It's it's people tend to to like trends. So I'm away from the trends uh, a lot. Uh, and I do what's smart. And you know what? They, they, they do look good. If, if Kim Kardashian wore them, then every girl would buy those tomorrow. So uh, it's pretty sad, but it's true. So I think- Yeah, and you gotta, like, I think health is attractive. And 100% is attractive. If we shift away, like, which is why I don't think high heels look good anymore and why I think natural yeah. footwear looks really attractive. Why I think you know, healthy feet look attractive. Bunions <laughs> aren't hot, okay? I don't give no, a shit what no. we use. Like <laughs> I was- I was telling the story about how I was kind of a dick here, but I was kind of mad, but I was at the gym and one of the girls that I know there for one of my patients had saw me there and she was, I was wearing my five fingers and we were in the turf area where I was just cooling down on doing a full squat for a five minute kind of song, Whitney Houston, by the way. And I was, uh, <laughs> I was listening to her and then. Which she, song, which song? Hold up. Which song? Uh, okay. So that time was all at once. Uh, or my go-to is uh, one moment in time all at once or uh where do broken hearts go? I'm powerful. I'm, powerful. I'm gonna, I, I, I will admit it fully. I'm a love song fanatic. So, uh, but I'm I was kind of Whitney too. You don't have oh, to. I love her. I was, uh, I was, I was kind of cooling down and she pokes me on my, my shoulder. Oh, Hey Tim. I go, Hey. And she goes, what are those you're wearing? And, and, and my, and my head, I know her because she had really bad bunions and really bad feet. And, uh, so I, and I knew it in the back of my head and she goes, Oh, like you, you're, you're kind of cute, but those are, su- they're, they'll make you look super ugly, those shoes. And I go, well, I know what, what's even uglier. And that's, that's bunions. Uh, and, and I can take my shoes off. <laughs> right. So, but yeah. that's the whole point, right? So they're not ugly. It's what, what you think. Like, do you think, you know, a four inch foam Nike air is, 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 is trendy and, 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 and good looking? No, if you wore those in, in, 1915 you'd be like thrown in jail for being from outer space like it's <laughs> it's weird uh right. quick you know so i'm installing uninstalling the whole habits of, of 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 trends and and uh and uh and fat and blind fashion and i'm I, i'm installing more of a like you said like let's get back to common sense like let's get back to what feels good if you feel good then you look better and you feel better and your confidence soars so yep. why cram my feet into these out these elf pointy dress shoes like alligator skin with a three inch heel so i look 510 i'm okay that i'm five six and three quarters almost five seven <laughs> right <laughs> right i'm i'm fine with the fact that i'm almost five seven but i don't need to be five ten i don't you know and i take them off i'm five seven again so no one's right. no one's being tricked yeah. so i don't i don't need that and so i'm trying to install uh health first and and then uninstalling trends and in, in, in blind fashion. What about and, keystone oh. habits? Any major habits that you're like, I do this every day because it it elevates my entire life. Is there any particular ones that you can think of? Okay, this may sound too much information, but I every day in the shower I do 88 squats. I'm not sure why I do 88, but that's the number I picked. So my <laughs> habit is I'm doing that's amazing. 88. 88 squats a day in the shower. No clue why it's 88. I, I should have said 34 for Austin Matthews or 17 for Wendell Clark, but I chose 88. Maybe Eric Lindros. I don't know. But 88 <laughs> squats a day. Uh, I, I take my dog pee outside in bare feet, whether it's minus 40 or, or, or plus 40 every day uh, nice. in my driveway. Uh, that's one habit I developed. Uh, I wear my toe spreader socks or my toe spreaders every day watching TV or the, or the, or a movie or, or sports. Uh, so I, I'm incorporating all what I preach to my patients in my own lifestyle, my own habits. So it, it becomes, you know, I do beam work every day, at least 15 minutes a day of beam work. Uh, I do your coffee challenge while I'm brewing coffee in my, in my, uh, French press, 
I, I do a deep squat until it's over for four minutes. So I, you, I, I incorporate that every day. I tell you right now, Nick, I was a guy before who wore orthotics, who wore foam shoes, who had three knee surgeries, uh, sore knees, sore feet, turf toe from wrestling boots. And I, I can never do a full squat without pain. Yet right now I can sit in a full squat, ass to grass for 10 minutes without even thinking twice. And that's through hard work and through daily habits. So I tried it. One of my keystone habits is to be very, very consistent. And, and with that, so my shower squats, my coffee squats, my toe spreaders, just to, uh, cause I tell my patients, Hey, I do it. So I know it works. Right. So that's really uh, important is be yeah. the example. That's like this whole core ethos at the foot in a program. Just be the example. It doesn't even matter where you're starting. It doesn't matter that you can't do a squat, but be the example and be working on it. If you're saying, if you're telling people it's important and they should be doing it, make sure you're doing it yourself. And I think part of, you know, your whole aura is that you're authentic. You're, you're a no bullshit kind of dude. You, you walk the walk, you've lived it. You're, you're, you just, you are healthy because you work on your health every day. And that's, that's well, very important. I was always told never trust a skinny chef, never trust a fangled tooth <laughs> dentist. Right. So, <laughs> right. So I, I try my, never my trust people, a physio that can't squat. Yeah, man. So I will never, ever be accused of not doing what I preach. And that's something I'm very proud of. People Good. see me, they know I work out, they know I eat well, they know I really, now I do have my vices, I don't sleep as much as I should, I know this. Everyone does, it's all yeah, good, and, work in progress. It is, and I've never seen a bag of chips I don't want to eat, so that's why I don't buy them, <laughs> right? So I go. have to stay away from my vices, yeah, like put me into a chip aisle and it's empty, so I don't go there, <laughs> I, skip, I skip the aisle. So, nice. right. Yeah. So I, that's something my, my keystone habits are, are practice what I preach. So my patients can never say, well, you don't do it. Right. So, uh, that's something I'm very proud of and that I will do till I'm 104 years old. Awesome, man. Long. Yeah, man. Thank so, you so much for taking oh, the time yeah, this morning, no, Tim. It was I know so much fun, Nick. Yeah. Hey dude. And it's, you know, let's do it again. Now that we know zoom Please. works, the audio is pretty good. Yeah. We'll do it again. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's actually been one of my favorite conversations. I say, I'm saying this frequently now, but like, it's just, it's very refreshing to have authentic conversations with people in the midst of a chaos, in the midst of some sh real shit going down. Yeah. It's nice to have a breath of fresh air and just talk about issues that we would be talking about anyways. And that really matter to us and that we have a, you know, a stronger purpose to talk about than just creating content. We actually, we would be having this conversation if we hung out together. We're just so happy to record it 100%. so that other people can, can kind of be a fly on the wall and hopefully people benefit from this. So anyway, no, folks. Thanks, you, Nick. It was you, great, man. Uh, no worries, man. And it, it, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, guys. Any, so. Anytime at all, man. Anytime, please. So for sure. everyone out there listening, I hope that stuff benefited you in some way and uh, we'll catch you next week.